Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 131 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. This week's episode is choosing the right camera body and the idea came to me from my daughter, Kenzie. She's looking to replace her old Canon 60D bodies and get something a little more cutting edge. I'm also going to talk about the news that Sony has announced the A9 Mark III body. The technology in that camera is going to change the way cameras are made and the way they are used. Okay, so let's go over how to choose a camera body. So the first thing you're going to consider is what are you going to shoot? You might think that all cameras can be used for shooting sports, portraits, weddings, landscapes, but it isn't the case. Different bodies have different strengths. So you need a body that will deliver what you want. It's no good getting your hands on a Fujifilm GFX 100, which is a 100 megapixel camera, if you're going to be shooting sports. It wasn't designed to shoot sports and is its speciality is landscapes and portraits, that kind of thing. If you wanted it to shoot sports, you would actually have to ask the competitors to stand still while you took their portrait. You wouldn't have much luck, I don't think, shooting at any speed. Next is your budget. Knowing exactly how much you can spend will narrow your choices down extremely quickly. New camera bodies range from $500 to $7,000 and even higher for Leica camera bodies. For a mere $14,000, you can have the Leica SL2 and a 50mm 1.2 lens. That's $14,000. Supposedly, they have superior build quality but I think it's just really good marketing because the images I've seen that come out of them are not top of the range. Just my opinion, but I don't think they are. Not for $14,000 anyway. The lower priced bodies are entry level. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's all you can afford, go for it. You still need to buy a camera. At the $1,500 mark, the quality of the bodies is good enough to shoot professionally. An example of this is the Canon R8, which is an excellent body. So let's say you can afford $2,000, but the body you want is $3,000. You can either wait until you've got the rest of the money and made up the $3,000, or you can see what is available used. You can save an awful lot of money buying used equipment. Another thing to think about is if you already have a camera, would you be willing to change brands? If you do change brands you will be spending more money on new lenses. And this is the problem that Kenzie has at the moment. She likes the look of the Fujifilm X5T, but she would have to buy lenses to go with it. And I think she should stick with the uh, Canon brand and go with the R8 and use her lenses that she already has. All she's got to do is buy an adapter. The R8 is way better than the X5T I've just got to convince her because convincing your daughter of things that you know is pretty difficult. Next, what are your must-haves? Now, these are the things that have bugged you on your last camera or the technology that you think will help you is out there and you've not got it at the moment. If you want to shoot sports, you're going to need a camera with a fast burst rate of, say, 10 images a second or faster. Years ago, I shot sports with bodies that took six frames per second, and I did fine. I really did okay with it. But when I moved up to 10 frames per second, it was absolutely perfect. It was just, maybe 12 would make it slightly better, but anything over that, just to me, it just seems a total waste of pictures, really. I don't know. Breaking a second down into 10 or 12 
is wild. So if you can get something around 10 or 12 frames per second, I know a lot of the new cameras go way above that. I think mine does 30 or something. I've not used it at 30 yet. Okay, so let's look at the options you might need. So first we've got camera type. Now there are two types, as you might already know. There's the DSLR and the mirrorless bodies. DSLR bodies have a mirror system that reflects the image from the lens to the viewfinder. Mirrorless bodies, as you probably guessed, don't have a mirror system. Instead, the viewfinder shows a video feed of what the lens is seeing. Not having mirrors reduces weight and vibration as a photo is taken. If you want to save lots of money, buy a used DSLR. You can only do that if you are okay missing out on some of the autofocus, the new sensors, that kind of thing. But they are great, great cameras. Next, sensors. So the three types of cameras you'll be choosing from are bodies with full frame, APS-C, and micro four-thirds sensors. Now, APS-C and micro four-thirds are called crop sensors because they're smaller than the full-frame sensors. APS-C is in the middle. They're bigger than the micro four-thirds, but smaller than the full-frame. Entry-level bodies generally have APS-C sensors in them. And if you look at Olympus, they are the main company that uses micro four-thirds sensors, which are really tiny. I think they're half the size of a full frame, but you still get fantastic images out of them. I know most of the guys that shoot macro at a really high level use these micro four thirds Olympus cameras, so don't rule them out. Now, the majority of pro bodies have full frame sensors. There's very few with small sensors. And that is because larger full frame sensors give better image quality in low light situations. You can still use a crop sensor body to make money. I don't have a problem telling you that because I don't know anyone who can look at a finished photo and say whether it was shot on a crop sensor camera or a full frame body. So don't stress out about it because crop sensors are still excellent. They're just slightly smaller and it makes no difference to your photography. Next, megapixels. Now, if you think you need the most megapixels available, you don't. There are some guys on YouTube using 100 megapixel cameras for landscapes. Do they need 100 megapixels? Probably not. One photographer that uses a GFX 100 says he never prints larger than a 14 by 11 or an 11 by 14, whichever way you like to read it. And that's ridiculous. You've got a 100 megapixel camera. Now, only a few years ago, I read that people were considering 24 megapixels as the ideal. And I think it still is. If you're looking to print 60-inch by 40-inch wall art, then get a body with a 61-megapixel sensor or a 45-megapixel sensor. But for regular size prints and posters, you can still do big posters with them. 24 megapixel around there will be fine. Doesn't matter if it's a little lower, a little higher. It really doesn't matter. You're in the ballpark. Next. Lens compatibility. Last year, I bought myself a Canon R6 Mark II, my first mirrorless body. Now, I've been shooting Canon DSLRs for years, and my issue was that the new mirrorless bodies have a different lens mount. DSLR bodies use an EF mount, and the mirrorless Canons use an RF mount. Now, luckily, all I needed was an adapter to use my old lenses on the new body, and they work fine. 
But if I'd chosen a Sony body, I would have had to buy new Sony lenses. Now, this is what my daughter Kenzie needs to decide. Does she stay with Canon or does she switch over to the slightly inferior Fujifilm platform and spend lots more money than she would if she stayed with Canon? So before you pick a body, make sure you know if your lenses will work with it. Next is the autofocus system. Now, this is a big one. Not all brands and models have the same quality autofocus system. My first DSLR was a Nikon D70S and autofocus was hit and miss. Well, to be honest, it was more miss than hit. My last DSLR was a Canon 1D Mark IV and the autofocus was great. In fact, it's still great because I still use it for all my macro photos and it, it hardly ever misses focus. It really is incredibly sharp. I love this thing. It's just old and heavy. But that is an older camera body and it doesn't offer eye detection autofocus that the latest bodies offer. That is the one reason I bought the R6 Mark II. Being able to keep the subject's eye in focus, even if they are speeding by, is priceless. If you shoot weddings or portraits, this is a game changer. So if you want eye detect autofocus, read the reviews and find out what experienced photographers have to say about the autofocus on a camera you are considering buying. It'll save you so much heartache and frustration in the future, believe me. Next is battery life. Now, I have never had a problem with any of my camera's batteries, but if I'd been shooting Sony bodies, I would have been very frustrated. Their batteries didn't last long at all. In the A7R Mark IV, Mark III, that kind of era, they were pretty bad from what I've heard. I think they've fixed it now, so the batteries do last longer. But having a camera where you've got to carry around five or six batteries with you at all times would frustrate the heck out of me. It'd drive me mad. With my DSLRs, I used to get through all day with two batteries. No problem at all. And I had a couple of spare just in case, but that, it was never an issue. But that is because mirrorless bodies use battery power to power their electric viewfinder, where DSLRs with the mirrors don't need any power. It's just light hitting mirrors. So once they started using electronic viewfinders in the mirrorless cameras, it drained the batteries. So I'm sure there was some way they got around it and like sort of cut the viewfinders off when your eye wasn't looking at it. But again, get on YouTube and see what pro photographers are saying about the model you want to buy. Right, next one is video capabilities. Now again, going back to YouTube, I used to watch this photographer who shot stills and videos at weddings and I wanted to know how he did the video. Now he has people come with him that do separate video, but at the time he was split in between the two. So he needed a body that could switch from photo to video and back again with one click. One of the cameras he was using, I think it was a Sony at the time, when he clicked, it was he had to wait like five seconds for it to kick in. And that's not what he wanted. He wanted, he wanted it to be seamless. So it, he could take photographs and then as, say, a bride was coming up the last part of the aisle or beginning of it, he'd do like a 20 or 30 second video and then click back on the photos. So he was doing it on and off all the way through. Not all bodies allowed him to do this. So if you're in a video, whatever it is, 
that you need, make sure that that camera does it because they don't all work the same and offer the same things. Okay, next one is interface and controls. I think that Canon has a great menu system. It's easy to find what you want. It's just simple, really. It's just it's the same from one camera to the next to the next. It's a little bit different on my R6, but it's all sort of in the same order, so it's, it's easy to get through. Now, Sony, on the other hand, is chaotic. It is one of the reasons that and the uh, waterproofing on the Sony bodies wasn't as good as the Canon ones. I considered changing a couple of years ago and I changed my mind because you look at the menu and it's chaotic. You don't know where anything is. And I've got no idea how a professional photographer can use their system to go through it. I believe they've cleaned it up a little bit, but it's still, I just don't understand the logic behind where things were on their menus. So do what I do. If you check in a camera out, go to a camera store, even if you've got to travel a little ways to go there and take a look at the menu system of the camera you're thinking about, as well as other things while you're there. But it's really important. If you can't just do two clicks and reformat a, a card or do anything, you're in trouble. If you've got to go down some deep alleyways to try and get your information, you're in trouble. So check it out. The next thing is size and weight. Now, this is Kenzie's biggest want a lightweight setup. She used to look at me carrying my huge 1D Mark IV and a heavy 24 to 72.8 lens and say she couldn't do it. Like she just, she'd hold it, give it me back. I could, no, that's, I can't do that. And after a full day of carrying it around, I was in total agreement with her. Pro zoom lenses are heavy, very heavy. And if you don't want to carry that kind of weight, you need to consider shooting prime lenses. That is a fixed focal length lens, like a 50mm or a 35 or an 85. It's just got one length and you zoom with your feet and they are so much lighter because they have less internals. The new mirrorless bodies are also smaller than the old DSLRs. So a mirrorless body and a few prime lenses are the way to go if you want to cut down on your weight. Not your weight, the camera's weight, you know. Anyway. So reviews and recommendations, and I've mentioned this a few times already, but read reviews and watch videos. It's going to save you so much frustration in the long run. You've got to educate yourself on these things, even if it's at the beginning, it's a bit confusing. Choose a model that you think is right for you, look into it, then pick another one that's similar price, look into it too, and compare one against the other. And you'll find quickly which one is going to be the one for you. Okay, I think that covers choosing a camera body. Now, at the beginning, I mentioned the Sony A9 Mark III. The technology in this camera is incredible. The first incredible thing is that it can shoot up to 120 frames per second. Now, I was saying that I think 10 or 12 is perfect. 110 times that, 120 frames per second. When would you need this? I have no idea, but it is crazy fast. The second notable thing is there is no limit on the flash sync speed. So you don't need to mess around with high speed sync to shoot faster than one two hundredth of a second. You'll be able to use a flash with a shutter speed of up to one eighty thousandth of a second, which brings me to the third amazing thing. 
the camera has a top shutter speed of one eighty thousandth of a second. The current top speed is eight thousandth of a second. That is ten times faster and can happen because of this, which is number four, the global sensor with an, an electronic global shutter. The sensors that we use right now collect light gradually as the shutter passes in front of the sensor. The global sensor and shutter take all the information at once. There's no waiting as the shutter passes. It just happens. So that's how they get the information 10 times faster. Now, this is going to revolutionize the industry. It's going to change the way cameras are made, and it's going to change the way we use cameras to capture photos. Now, for me, using a flash at any speed is wild. It's just the most frustrating thing is being restricted how fast you can get your shutter speed to the flash. And I can't wait for this A9 Mark III release next year just to see what it can do and what the top guys can do with it because it really is going to change photography in a big way. And Canon are bringing out their R1 in, well, I don't know whether it's the end of the year or New Year, but if the R1 doesn't have a global shutter, I think they're going to be in trouble. So anyway, that's just my little prediction. These are exciting times. Right, that's enough waffling from me today. If you need any questions answered or a website review or portfolio review, you can find me in the Facebook group or through Facebook Messenger. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.